0: Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hello, and welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is episode 75. Today I'm going to chat with an amazing woman, author, and speaker named Whitney Caps. Whitney and I are chatting today about the idea of exchanging our obsession with brokenness and a severe focus on self for true transformation that God tells us is ours in Christ. I really love Whitney's message and how she delivers it with grace and grit. Thank you so much to everyone that reached out to me on Instagram and asked your questions about my new course, Launch What You Love. I talked about it last week in depth at the beginning of the episode, and several of you joined into the course this week, and I'm really excited for you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I have a course for female entrepreneurs. It's called Launch What You Love, and it basically gives you the strategy and the roadmap to building and launching and then growing your business. So whether that's a service business or a products business, or you're in network marketing, Launch What You Love is going to teach you what you need to know to be successful. Maybe you are like I used to be, and you are downloading every freebie, listening to every business podcast, and trying everything under the sun to no avail. You feel like you're spinning your wheels. You don't know what your brand message is every time someone asks you, or you don't know what your niche audience should be, or if you need a target market, you feel like you're missing something every time someone brings this up because you don't have one. You're concerned about whether your pricing is off or if you're even profitable. You want to get email marketing and a digital strategy in place and off the ground, but you have no clue where to begin in growing your email list and you're not actually sure what a nurture campaign or an onboarding sequence is. You need a logo, a website to figure out your social media strategy and how to blog. I get it, you guys. I've been there. And all of this is covered in Launch What You Love. I will teach you all of it from A to Z, concept to launch to growth strategies, how to build a successful business. I have... Been doing this for almost a decade. I sold a business last summer for a five figure exit. I continue to operate my own business doing web design and graphic design. And now this podcast, and I'm really excited to be able to share what I have learned with other female entrepreneurs inside the course. We all start here, but you don't have to stay here. My course will guide you methodically and step by step to put everything in place so you have the best chance at success and profit. This is going to allow you to focus on what you actually love doing, running your business and serving your clients rather than Googling and researching until you're blue in the face. Go check it out at HaleyWilliams.co slash launch. Okay, now for my conversation with Whitney. Whitney, thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, I'm so excited to be with you. This is going to be really rad. It's fun to get to talk to another mom and kind of have some time where we just get to hang out.
0: Yes, absolutely. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to listeners for those of them that have not heard of you. Sure.
1: So my name is Whitney and my favorite roles are, um, I'm wife to Chad and mom to four dudes. Um, so I live in a house with all guys. So there's a ton of testosterone in my house. Um, I joke that I think God looked down and was like, you know what, chick, you are enough estrogen for any one house. And so um, he needed f- he needed five other guys to balance that out. But my husband, Chad, and I have been married for, let's see, it's now 18 years. And then we have four guys. Cooper is 13 and he'll be a friend Freshman in high school next year, which is super bizarre. And then I have Dylan, who is a rising seventh grader, and then Ryder, who will be in the fifth grade, and Tate, who will be in the second grade. So I am in that glorious kind of middle space of motherhood, where you know they're kind of learning self sufficiency. Mm -hmm. We, my husband and I, it was just a couple of years ago, so it's pretty fresh. We got in the car and looked at each other, and he reached over and grabbed my arm like in a panic, and he was like, "Holy cow!" And I was like, "What?" You know, trying to figure out what we'd forgotten. He was like. Do you realize like we got in the car and actually sat down and we didn't buckle anybody. And I was like, mm. oh, my gosh. Oh, oh like that's uh, anyway. so beautiful. So that still feels really fresh, but it was a really yeah. fun milestone. And then so I'm busy with them most of my time. And then in mm. between there, like most moms, I squeeze in things like doing ministry with Proverbs 31 Ministries. And um, just this year, I released my first book and Bible study with the team at Lifeway and at B&H. And the book is called Sick of Me. And the Bible study is called We Over Me, Letters of Hope from Revelation. And so the last year has, I won't lie, it's kind of been a blur, but it's been so, so, so fun.
0: That's amazing. Wow. So what does your work with Proverbs 31 Ministries look like?
1: Sure. Well, I've been with them for the better part of 12 years. And Lisa Turkhurst and I were connected because I worked, before I stayed home with my boys, I worked at the corporate office of Chick-fil-A. Mm. And so I was working with them here in Atlanta at what we call the home office. And our senior vice president at the time connected Lisa and I at a conference. And she was kind enough to have breakfast with me. And she invited me to join the Proverbs 31 team. And at the time, I had one boy. I was pregnant with my second. And so i um, started out really slow, as you can imagine, fitting in ministry, you know, around kids and trying to keep them quiet and all those kinds of things. And I'm a speaker. And so I go out and speak to churches and women's groups and events on behalf of Proverbs 31 Ministries. And that has been a tremendous joy. So I get my favorite thing is to go and teach the Bible. And so that's my favorite thing that I get to do. And then a couple of years ago, we launched the First Five app, which is the free mobile app that helps women spend five minutes in God's Word every single day. We want Mm. it to be the first five minutes of their day, not the only five, but the first five. Yeah. Um, and so I started writing for that app. And that kind of segued into writing for Lifeway and b and
0: So cool. I, have, yeah. I actually have not heard of that app. So I'm gonna have to check that out.
1: Yeah, it's really handy. Um, it's free the great thing about it is it's designed to kind of help people like myself who tend to jump on our phone first thing in the morning and go Mm -hmm. right to email, social, whatever. And the app actually functions as an alarm clock. And so it, it, when you open it up, it takes you right into a five minute teaching of scripture. And so your first five minutes really can be spent in God's word. It's just five minutes, but there's actually some physiological research on how our brains build new pathways in the morning. And what we think about first, thing in the morning actually does something physiologically to our brain. And so one of Lisa's thoughts was, wouldn't it be great if we exchanged whispers with God before we got into the shouts of the world? And so it's kind of training our thought life to really be focused on the Lord
0: throughout the rest of the day. And I think it's kind of ingenious and it's been really awesome. That is, that's really unique and a very cool invention, like let alone the fact that it there is physiological... You know, like you're saying, those pathways. Like, I, I think, just like any habit that we might have. Yeah. You know, for instance, one of mine that my listeners know is like, after I put my kids down, my brain goes to like, okay, what sugar can I have now? Like, here, where's, uh, street? where's my, where's my prize? One hundred percent. You know, but um, but yeah, waking up. I mean, that is that's how I am. I just go yeah. to email, and you know, it's almost like a a self-defense mechanism in a sense. Yes. Like, I'm like, okay, what am I going to have to face today? What problem yes. at me? And I want to, want to feel like I'm in control and I've got it and I'm good. And then I can be okay. And yeah then, you know, the problem with that is, of course, like we're not always, there's not always good news there. That's know? right. That's right. And it kind of feels
1: like the rabbit hole. You know, once yeah. you go down there, we think it's going to be just a quick check. But if you're anything like me, all of a sudden, two hours later, I'm like, holy cow, I did not want to start my morning this way. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, it's a, it's, it's first and the number five. And like I said, it's free. I think we have over 2 million users now. So it's been really, it's, it's yeah. been such a
0: gift. That's awesome. It's really cool. So you already answered my second question, what work looks like for you. Yeah. Where And my third is, where are you seeing God's grace in your life right now?
1: Well, one, let me just say, like I'm super sympathetic to moms who are stay-at-home moms or work-at-home moms because I did that. I worked part-time for Chick-fil-A. And so
0: Oh, yeah, I I didn't ask you about that.
1: That's really cool. Oh, that's I worked in what was called Talent Selection, which is their human resources department. But I was there full-time for a number of years. And then when we had more kiddos, decided to come home and work part-time from home. So Mm -hmm. the reason I tell you all of that is the grace that I'm living in right now is that all of my dudes are in school. And so Mm -hmm. I have time that when I was in the trenches of toddlerhood that I never thought I would get back. And so Mm -hmm. I'm in a place now in my life where I get to have... Luxurious Bible study time, and yeah. I get to really be uninterrupted, and and I can focus my brain, and that feels like a tremendous grace. Because right. for years, you know, when you have toddlers, you're literally fitting it in yeah. while they bang on the door or run their fingers under the tape yeah. under the door, and 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 that sort of thing. And so that feels like a tremendous grace for those who are in that phase where I was. Um, right. It is coming don't walk in the shame or the guilt that you're having to give God. I remember feeling so badly that God was getting my leftovers and I felt so much shame about that for so many years. And now as a mom on the other side, I wished I had given myself more grace in the moment to realize, you know, God can do a lot with a little and those small moments of faithfulness. I don't think he's up in heaven crossing his arms going, how dare you give me the two minutes that you had in the bathroom while your kids were watching (laughs) Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, you know, Um, I think he gets it. And so I, I'm living the grace now of kind of being able to recapture that and have those long kind of, like I said, what feels to me really luxurious because for a long time, I didn't get to have that and I missed yeah. it. So, um, yeah, that's a tremendous grace for me. And then really cool. just let me say, I also have a grace in that my husband is super, super supportive and engaged with our dudes. So when I travel or when I'm writing, he's fully engaged. Mm-hmm. And we also live in a town where we have both sets of grandparents. So oh, the nice. reason I say all of that is because women will also often ask me like, how do you do it all? And I want to be quick to say like, I have a ton, a ton of help, which is yeah. a tremendous, tremendous grace.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. That's really cool. That's unique to have both families. We have my, my family here in Kansas City, but my husband's from Denver. So yeah. his are his are not local. Yeah. And my husband works in talent acquisition as well, actually. That's awesome. Not for that sounds a lot cooler, but it's uh, <laughs> pretty awesome. So did you get like all kinds of free um free food when you worked there? So
1: we didn't get free food in our restaurants because we believe in supporting our franchise partners. Oh, okay. And so we wanted to support them. But one of the amazing mm-hmm. things is that at the home office, the Kathy family provided lunch for us every single day. Wow. And we had Chick-fil-A options, but it was also like the biggest, best, most fabulous salad bar you can imagine. We had homemade, like fresh gourmet pizzas and just anyway, all kinds so of stuff. fun. They also wow. provided free childcare, which was... Wow unbelievable, unbelievable. That's so all fun. that to say though we didn't get free food in the restaurant, man, okay. they made up for it in lots and lots
0: of ways. Yeah. How cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So about your book, you mentioned at the beginning that you wrote a book this year or last yeah. year, I guess, um, yeah. called sick of me. And I mentioned to you before we started recording that I actually bought this book at a conference a few months ago. And I just, I mean, I was drawn to the cover to be honest, right at first. Yeah, totally. Like, this is really cool. But as I started reading, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the message that I feel is missing in so much of transparency culture. I don't know, I'm making that yeah. up. That's not even yeah. a real term, but but I think we all know what I mean when I say yes. Oh, I was about culture. to say,
1: I think I don't think you're making it up. I think you've just described mm-hmm. something really acutely that we're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely real out there. And for those of us who have grown up on social media, like Mm -hmm. I have never known a time. Well, I mean, I guess I was around 13 when AIM came out. So I remember telling my mom, Oh my gosh, I am chatting with someone right now online. And I was like freaking out, like, mom, this is so cool. You know, but like, I got Facebook in high school. I got Instagram in college. I don't know. It just seems like it's kind of always been there and we're having a unique experience. And there's something that has like really come out of Just the fact that it's everywhere, the fact that it's in our hand, like you mentioned, right when we wake up, it's just, we have this portal into uh, the entire world, the entire universe, and it feels in our hand. And what I think, you know, what it, what it seems like it's doing is creating a very, very self-focused individual. I mean, and and even for myself, like I know that it's, it's, it prompts me to kind of go that direction if I'm not careful. So I would love to kind of hear from your perspective what prompted you to write the book and where were you at and what were you seeing mm-hmm. personally that kind of led yeah. you to want to write it? Well, I tell a story in the beginning of the book,
1: and it really is sort of kind of the impetus for how this all started. I was having lunch with a girlfriend of mine, and it's one of those moments that's that's really kind of etched in my brain. I can remember the restaurant we were in and the booth where we were sitting. and I was telling my friend Krista, just my frustration as a believer and kind of a, a type A firstborn Mm-hmm. Want to get stuff done. You know, if you say this is the way to do it, I want to do it that way. I felt like as a believer, I was doing lots of the right things and I wasn't seeing a lot of fruit. So I was kind of, <laughs> you know, as we kind of do with our girlfriends over queso and guac, I was just kind of just airing all of these frustrations that I wasn't seeing fruit in my life and I didn't understand why. And I was doing this and I was doing that. And maybe this was the solution. Maybe and I was trying all of these things and she kind of interrupted me. I mean she let me talk for a long time but she reached across the table and she said, Wit, you have told me a whole lot about you. Why don't you tell me something about Jesus? And it kind of struck me at first and I was I was a little taken aback because I was like but, <laughs> What I wanted to say is, well, I've been talking all about Jesus. What do you mean I've only been talking about myself? And I really quickly kind of flashed through the highlights of the conversation, and I had talked all about myself. And in that moment, I realized that my life had become very gospel adjacent and not gospel centered. Mm -hmm. And it really had me at the center, which is not how the gospel works. You know, it was one of those things I was like, oh, oh, my gosh, that's exactly right. Right. And so I went home and kind of started looking really kind of the self-introspection, which can also be a little bit, I think sometimes we think the solution to some of these problems is is more self. And what I realized was, oh my gosh, I had placed myself as the solution to these problems and really the solution is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the discovery was that I had traded sanctification, which is the pursuit of looking, living, and loving more like Jesus. I had traded sanctification for self-help. Mm -hmm. and that was the light bulb moment that that kind of was it and then I was like well okay so what does self-help look like I knew I was experiencing it but what does that look like how did I get here and then what should it look like and I discovered that I didn't know a lot about sanctification it was one of those words that I kind of could give a hat tip to like I knew it I'd heard it I kind of but I didn't know what practically it looked like in the life of a believer and so the first half of the book really deals with How does God want me to live, look, and love more like Jesus was? That process look like? And how should I be engaging with it? And what I discovered, and this is just kind of the Reader's Digest version, is it has a lot more to do with being and less to do with doing. And Mm -hmm. I knew how to do things, but I was ignoring but who am I becoming? Who does Jesus want me to become? Yeah. And culture tells me that Jesus wants me to become the best version of myself. Yeah. The gospel tells me, no 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 no. You are not the hero of your story. I can tell you that I'm actually the villain. The goal is not for me to become the best Whitney. The goal is for me to become less like Whitney and more yeah. like Jesus. And wow. embracing that was kind of like, holy cow, I have spent the last really probably decade becoming a better Whitney mm-hmm. rather than becoming a better version of of who Jesus is. And so it was just kind of, I I won't lie, like it. the book is sort of an in the trenches. You've read that, like, this is not me on the glorious other side. It was walking through all of that and going, man, I I got some stuff that I really need
0: Jesus to help me kind of figure out. Wow. I feel like that'll preach. That's a sermon (laughs) right there. I mean, it's so true. Like what you said about self-help and, and the thing is that, Like that way of thinking is a secular ideology basically, but it has really seeped into 100% culture and the Christian like pop culture. I guess I say that all the time and it's, but that exists because we all have access to our phones and we're absorbing content from authors and speakers and, you know, influencers, just anyone, anybody who says like, Hey, I've got a tip for you. And it's always around like become the best version of you. And it's so honestly, to me, it is such a weighty burden. And it's like, I just feel like I'm getting shackled and shackled more with more weight and more weight. And I'm, and I now have to pull all of that. And it's not a free, it's not freedom. Yeah. But it is like it is kind of marketed as freedom. Oh, one hundred percent. The people who are living that life, they look—they're beautiful. They've got everything together. They're fit. They're working out all the time. You know, yeah. they're living this like idyllic life. Like, not to mention, of course, you know, they've got a full-time nanny and all those other things we don't know about. And, anyways, it's just—it's so. It is a like when you said, "I'm not the hero of my story." That's actually—I feel like I'm, I could go in so many directions here. But there's, you know, I don't know if you've heard of Story Brand, mm-hmm. but. That's their, their method is actually saying, you know, the customer, you you tell the customer, you are the hero of your story. And I am the guide that's going to help you get to, you know, your desired result and result. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a digital marketing person. So it's okay for that to exist in this, in the sphere of like understanding how to market a product or a service. Sure. But I think we let that seep into our personal lives as well, you know? Absolutely. And, and we don't know how to really compart- not compartmentalize, but we don't know how to tell the difference between, mm-hmm. is that actually what God asked me to do? Like, did he actually ask me to be the hero of my story or yeah. be the, even be the guide? No, yeah. like not, even, not either not one, even really. Yeah. And I think what you're hitting
1: on is the struggle that I was feeling. I think that most Christians do is, essentially the problem is we don't understand sanctification because what you're saying is true. Like I am not a let go and let God gal. We Mm -hmm. do have a responsibility to step into what Jesus is calling us to do. He expects us to walk in obedience. It is true that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling. The problem is if, and this is, let me just speak for me. I am so sinful that unless I'm hyper vigilant, I am going to ratchet up my part and mm-hmm. I am going to try and seize control mm-hmm. because that's easier. It shows faster kind of, I'm going to use the word fruit. That's not, but what we perceive as fruit. And that was the problem was it was a smoke screen. I could make it look like things were happening. I could make it look like I was growing, but Jesus was not giving permission and freedom and authority to do internally. So that it was actual fruit. I joked with a girlfriend of mine. I have this dish in my kitchen that's full of fake fruit. Uh It's that waxy kind of fake stuff. And I was like, that's such a metaphor for my Christian life. Like, sadly... Most people would walk in and look at me and be like, man, she's got a lot of fruit happening, Mm -hmm. but it's just the outside stuff. It's waxy. It's fake. It's not real. And it's because I didn't understand sanctification. I had leaned really far into my part of that. Man, I could do that. You give me a list. I'm a type A girl. I'll check it off. Yeah, But I was not letting the Holy Spirit do inside of me what he needed to do, wanted to do, to Mm -hmm. make me have the right motivations, the right heart, the right desires, the right all of those things internally. And so I think what you're describing, the struggle that we feel is all for all of us is, gosh, I, I do want to be better. And yeah. the culture and even the church culture then comes in with the 10-step process. And mm-hmm. to the church goal, we're like, oh, okay, sure. I'll do that. Thank listen, you. A, a,
0: for, yes, a format. That, that's
1: right. Yeah. And nobody in the church does this maliciously. So just let me, I am not bashing the church. No, right. nobody's in there like curling their mustache going, oh, I'm going to make self sufficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just that we can kind of reduce this to a formula, yeah. to a to-do list. And I think the process of sanctification is the to-do list comes after the being. Yeah. Who Mm -hmm. Jesus wants us to be. And I I, just for me, I just missed that part of the equation. So it was kind of backing up and going, okay, Jesus, who do you want me to be? And a big part of that is, what do you want to crucify? in yeah. me. Cause that's the thing is like, I want you to give me the behaviors I want you to do. I want you to tell me externally, mm-hmm. but that's easy to change. Actually crucifying the parts of my heart that are selfish, that are prideful, mm-hmm. that want control all of that. That's much harder. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, it was sitting with that and I won't lie. It was not pretty, nor was it fun, but it is necessary. And it is the call of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting back to that and really making my life, as I said, not gospel adjacent but gospel centered.
0: Yeah, I, I just keep thinking too. you as you're talking, what I think we get so caught up in, especially you know people like you and me who are those those firstborn type A doers, you know achievers. Just we yeah. love to get things done, and we or we're good at it. Like I'm yeah. actually really good at it. Yeah. The problem is, like we can get so caught up in the process that we forget that there's a person. Yes. Yeah. That's a good word. I think that, you know, and that is what you're kind of getting at with sanctification. Can you kind of, for the the woman listening, who's like, yeah, I may be at that spot where you were. And I feel like I understand sort of what sanctification is, but I'm not sure what that really means for Mm -hmm. my, what what should I be doing differently than I'm doing right now? Am am I being sanctified or not? Because Christ does promise that his children will be sanctified right Mm -hmm. like that that process if it's not happening you're not his but at the same time i think sometimes we can kind of we also have to be obedient right yes it's our love so yeah hey mamas real quick if you love this podcast i think you'd also love the mompreneur mastermind show it's hosted by my girl friend and mentor stephanie gas who is inspiring real hilarious and genius at what she does Steph is on a mission to help women uncover their God-led callings here on earth and create a brand and business to further that mission. I'm obsessed with how Steph teaches and preaches intentional living, balance, time blocking, and taking your power back. Steph's show is full on faith-based business mentorship, marketing, mindset shifts, inspiring interviews, and so much more. Listen, if you are a business owner, want to grow your brand, scale your community, or have an idea tugging at your heart, but you're afraid to leap, her podcast is a must. Head to bit.ly slash the mompreneur mastermind show or anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe now. You won't regret it. I'll meet you there.
1: Well, one of the things that I think is helpful is to diagnose kind of where you are. And I want to give you kind of that there are these three words that that you hear kind of a lot in Christian circles and We talk a lot about freedom and just do you feel, listen, you are free in Christ and you should feel kind of this joy and freedom. And I I don't even know how, how more to kind of unpack that, but... For me, I had to look at my life and go, wait, okay, I'm, I'm not pursuing freedom. Because one, I think that's kind of a smokescreen in and of itself. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But I looked at my life and, and I would invite your listeners to do this. Am I experiencing fruit or am I experiencing frustration? Okay. That was it. And the reason I don't like to think about freedom is because we think freedom means easy. And we have bought the lie that if we're doing the Christian life right, if we've been liberated, if we've been free, then walking with Jesus should feel easy and light and free. Mm -hmm. And we go back to that passage where he says, take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and light. But we miss the part where he says, but what he puts on us is his yoke. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so we're still wearing a yoke. So it's still, I, I would argue. For most of my Christian life, it's still hard. I mean, like it's still really hard. But where I can figure out if I'm walking in sanctification is, am I experiencing fruit or frustration? Because fruit bearing is hard. If you read John 15, where he talks about pruning and the vine and the branches, we love the idea of abiding, but fruit bearing while the Holy Spirit is doing it, there's a lot that he's doing inside of us to bear that fruit like pruning, that feels really hard and uncomfortable. The reason I'm telling you all of this is because for so long for sanctification, I chased happiness, not holiness. And I Mm -hmm. wanted comfort, not change. And I had bought into the lie that if I was walking with Jesus, I would experience this joy and this freedom and this ease Mm -hmm. that I was not experiencing. And so for me, it was beneficial to go not freedom, joy, ease, happiness, but fruit or frustration. And mm-hmm. the reason that's important is because frustration I can identify, and that's where I was spending a lot of my time. Fruit, man, I want that, but I also want to embrace that fruit doesn't mean ease. It doesn't mean that it's going to be comfortable. No. But I don't experience the same frustration. Yeah. And I, I, that's a real. That I know it sounds like I'm just using words. And it's just kind of no, it, it doesn't. But I have to tell you, for me. That was a game changer to go, oh, okay, I see fruit. That hurt. Not Mm -hmm. having the argument that I wanted to have with my husband when I thought I was right and he was wrong, it hurt. But I saw fruit from it. So that I would just say for somebody listening, thinking about those words became really beneficial to me. Yeah.
0: Well, here um, I, I have kind of a practical, maybe example. I'm not sure this is going to line up as a as an analogy 100%, but we actually have a little raised bed garden in in our backyard. And this year we've had an issue. I planted strawberries and broccoli and cauliflower, and I was really excited about it, but never planted those things. And I found out why maybe I shouldn't have, because <laughs> squirrels just love to eat it. So it never... I never get to see the fruit. I, I'm right. so frustrated every time I go out there and they're off the ground. There's a like a chicken wire fence around them, but there's nothing preventing the squirrels from jumping in and just eating the fruit off the off the strawberry plant or off yeah. of the stock of yeah. broccoli. And I've just, I know what I need to do. I know I need to go and get some chicken wire and put it over the top of each plant individually so that nothing can get in. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> so I keep being frustrated. And, but, yeah. you know, I, I guess I'm just thinking of like the reality of, when you kind of you kind of know, you, there's a there's a a, a realization of like this isn't producing fruit. What I'm doing, right. I'm, I'm doing some work. I I've, I've planted, but I'm not actually cultivating. I'm I'm kind of letting other things come in and yeah. the fruit and steal it and destroy yeah. it, and it, and I'm not ever getting to experience it, and that's frustrating. And there is something that I can do to to help that, but but it, what it also looks like is actually weeding around the plant and pulling things up yeah. and you know, maybe applying something to get rid of a pest or something that looks like, you know, or like you said, even um, trimming, trimming the fruit off of the plant is actually removing some of that fruit from the plant. And that for the plant, that's probably a painful process. You know, like if we look at ourselves as the, the fruit bearers, it may look like we are being destroyed, but really what yeah. we're being is pruned. And yeah, Enable to bear more fruit, so absolutely, which you have to do with. I I have some kale, and if you don't trim the leaves, it starts to flower and then it dies. And if you don't keep trimming the leaves and keep taking them off and taking them away, eating them, getting whatever, using them in smoothies, it's going to die faster. And so you have to prune. You have to literally remove the leaves so that it looks kind (laughs) of ugly. You know, such a good
1: oh oh man, we should park with that kale analogy for a little bit. How many of us? are designed to be kale and we're growing flowers, which looks attractive to everybody else. But that's not the purpose that the kale was made for. But man, yeah, once it, yeah, once it
0: flowers, that's it, that's when you
1: know, it's about to die. So interesting. Actually. So, so interesting. Listen, mm-hmm. let me just say none of this is easy. And right. I want to be careful to say we do not bear fruit. So we I know you and I know that we agree. I'm not I'm I can't bear fruit. That's a that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. But it will cost me something. For mm-hmm. that, fruit, which is just what you were describing, like you can't make the strawberries grow, but you can create the environment mm-hmm. through what you know. I can put that. In no card, it's going to cost you something. That's right. right. Yeah. 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 Here's what I discovered. The I guess the, the short version of the story is, I'm finally at a place in my life where I can say honestly, I want holiness more than I want happiness. Yeah. Really, truly, and that is hard. But I genuinely believe. It is the call of the gospel and it is the place where my soul will find the most satisfaction. It will not be the easiest path. It will not look the prettiest, but I genuinely want to be holy more than I want to be happy. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think we get happiness. It's not that, but again, it's the fruit. But it's the root of it's it's their roots that look different than that. I'm not chasing Mm -hmm. happiness, I'm chasing holiness. And so just living that out. Let me just say one of the practical, because I I know that just sounds like, well, that sounds good, but how do you live that out? Let me give just one practical tip that I started using in my life that was a game changer. So y'all might could could try and see if this is true of you. One of the things that when we talk about living in this digital age and having access to so many inputs and so much influence. We now want to see people who are really transparent and authentic and broken and all of those things. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of to reject this idea that everybody's perfect and plastic and filtered and all of that. It's a virtue. Being broken and authentic is for sure virtuous. Mm -hmm. But at least in my own life, and I don't know if this is true for you or your listeners, I let the pendulum swing too far where I would come in with my small group and I would be like, y'all. Had the worst week, and I said I was going to read my Bible every day, and I just didn't. And I failed again, and I'm so discouraged and frustrated. One of my girlfriends would dr- jump in and be like, Wait, listen, don't walk in condemnation. There's grace here. We all have been there. We so understand that. There's grace for that. I wonder sometimes if the Holy Spirit was kind of listening in our circle and going, no, 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 no. don't, don't let her off the hook. I'm actually not okay with this sin and don't make her feel better about her sin. She needs to do something about that. So what I found was looking at sanctification, a big part of that is confession and conviction. And I had not been engaging in those parts of sanctification. Mm. And so what I discovered was that I was not someone who practiced conviction confession often as a response to conviction. So we don't convict ourselves, but we should confess in agreement with what the conviction of the Holy Spirit says. Right. And I am the kind of girl who would say, Lord, I'm so sorry I failed you today. I want to look more like Jesus tomorrow. So just help me not fall into those same sin traps. Yeah, well, general confession leads to general obedience, (laughs) and so I wasn't making progress because I wasn't talking about the actual specific sins, which feels good. Nobody wants to come up with a list of the sins that we committed today, it stinks. Yeah, but let me tell you, friend, through studying sanctification, I thought, okay, I'm not confessing sins, I'm confessing sin, so Mm -hmm. I want to get in the habit of. Coming before the Lord, asking for the Holy Spirit's conviction, and then naming those sins specifically. So, I've gotten in the practice at some point throughout my day, and it varies, but I will say, Lord, I realize that today I have been gossipy. I went to lunch with my girlfriend, and we sat there and we talked about somebody else in a way that I would not have said to her face. It was not honoring, and I want you to forgive me. More than that, I want you to convict me next time before that happens. So, I have seen actual traction. Because specific confession leads to specific obedience. Because the next time I went out with that girlfriend and our conversation started down that path, immediately the Holy Spirit brought that confession to mind. And so I have to say for for, for really the first time in a long time, because of the practice of specific confession, I am seeing specific obedience in that area. And it has been so powerful to name my sin, to agree with the Holy Spirit And to actually do that work. And it's actually changed my community because I should never confess to you first. Mm -hmm. Another human being should never be the first individual that we confess to. If I have not confessed to the Lord, if I show up and I confess to you, what I want is your affirmation, not your accountability. And it feels good. It feels cathartic. I feel better about myself, but I'm not more Christ-like when I leave. And so it is forcing myself to do that work with the Holy Spirit. And again, this is not work that originates with me. Conviction is not, it doesn't originate with me, but it is that spiritual discipline of acknowledging my sin, keeping my sin ever before me. So, that the gospel and the cross are more real. My dependence on the Holy Spirit is more present and prevalent, and it is changing me. And so, that's a practice just practically
0: that's really good that came
1: out of this that I think has been really beneficial.
0: Yeah, and that you just quoted that uh, I don't know the the reference, but that was David talking about. I keep my sin ever before me, that's and right. we all know what David was guilty of. And did he go to his next door neighbor and go, "Oh, bro, you know, really messed up again with this girl," you know? Yeah, that's exactly he, right. No, I I mean he to, like he was prostrate before God in yes. in conviction because he knew that he had sinned. That's and, right. And yet the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. And sometimes right. I'm, sometimes I get, a, I, we actually studied David uh, some in BSF this past season, um, study. Yeah. And I got like a little annoyed because I was like, I feel like I'm doing better than David. And I don't, I don't know if I would be called a woman after God's own heart. Yeah. And he yeah, yeah, was, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Doing better in the sense of like following the rules, not you know, having affairs, like not doing yeah. all the things that you did, having people killed all of that stuff. And it just kind of showed me my own heart, like what I look to, to make me right. Or what yeah. I kind of default, what is my default thing that means I'm good. I'm okay. I'm kind of above the board or I'm above the line. And, and it's things that I don't, you know, uh, rule following, looking, look, the, the waxy plastic fruit, you know, all of those things. I don't think that is the point. And God did do some conviction in my heart through that study of just like, I want the repentant heart more yeah. than I want the, you know, the manufacturing of your plastic fruit. Like that's I right. know you can do the plastic fruit mm-hmm. really well, but I'm not super <laughs> interested in that. You know, that's right. Yeah.
1: So no, was, I think it, you're exactly it right. It's 100%. And let's just be honest. The reason we default to those things is because it's easier to tell where I stand in the kingdom mm-hmm. if I judge external actions. Yeah. And that's really what we're after. Am I better than you? Am I better than, you know, the people that I do Bible study with? Am I better than my spouse? It's easier to judge by those external actions and let me say, I do I, listen, the, the fruit matters. So I don't want to discount that. But again, I think what what he's looking at is our heart and the condition in which that fruit is produced. And so um, that's hard work because I don't get to see it. I have to, what I I think, what I think is I have to rely on the Holy Spirit. So I have to have an intimacy Mm -hmm. with the Holy Spirit that is fueling and fanning my spiritual walk more than leaning on the external things that i control and that i can manipulate it forces me to actually abide it forces mm. me to actually sit with the holy spirit and say what do you want to do inside of me it yeah. forces me to listen to his voice and i will say this people often ask me how do you learn to hear god's voice how do you hear god's voice when you pray how do you how do you know that god is speaking i tell people this same thing every time is ask God to convict you of sin. Mm -hmm. It's a prayer that he always answers, always. (laughs) And what you hear, that's his voice. And so it is learning to hear the Holy Spirit speak those words of conviction. And then he will also simultaneously speak those words of grace. And so it's training our ear to hear that. But if you ask him to convict you of sin, that's not something we do in our own flesh. So mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderful because what I hear, I can say is the Holy spirit. And so I I know that's, that's him. That's how he's speaking to me. And it's yeah. learning to hear that.
0: Yeah, that's really good. That's, it's a harder prayer to pray, but Ugh, I, so, I not it's, so not fun. So not fun. Right. It's not, it's not our first, it's not our go-to, but yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about, kind of plays into this. In the book, you say that our external relationships are actually a reflection of our internal relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're kind of talking about this, like almost that there will be internal fruit before the ex before the branches start bearing the visible external fruit. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times we're going the other way. We're going like, if I, if it create the apple, then I will become an apple tree. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, it doesn't go that way. But can you kind of unpack that? Like, sure. Our external relationships how might I, I mean, it just makes me wonder like, okay, like how do I, can I look at my external relationships and go, yeah, clearly I, here's where I'm struggling in my internal relationship with Jesus. Or is it more of like an inside out thing?
1: I think, let me just say, I think the, what was helpful for me is looking at, uh, when we go back to that fruit or frustration, I think our external relationships kind of are good indicators of what our relationship with Jesus looks like, because I can tell you in this season, I found a lot of frustration. I'll just use my relationship with my husband. For example, I love my husband. I would die for that man. I know that we, God purpose for us to be together, but we have a hard, we are both firstborns. We are both Mm -hmm. stubborn. Um, We both like to be in control. And so marriage is very sanctifying for us. And let me just say love and adore him. But like, We have to love each other, love Jesus really well to love each other well. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you that when I'm experiencing frustration in my relationship with Chad, it's usually an indication that I am living in a place of frustration spiritually. Yeah. Because there's something... I realize that our our arguments, the things that I'm mad about, the things that I stew over are because I'm trying to manipulate him or I'm trying to control him or I'm being selfish or I'm being demanding. Mm -hmm. And those are me trying to manipulate and control rather than just resting in the sweetness of our relationship and who Jesus is creating him to be, how he's being sanctified. And I find that when I am internally being sanctified, I don't know what it is, and it's just the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is working inside of me, I don't feel this need to manipulate him. Mm -hmm. When he hurts my feelings, I don't feel the need to point it out and prove to him how selfish he was. When we get in an argument, I don't feel this need to be right. And Mm -hmm. so they really are so much more connected. Then I wanted to admit, I think there's something really powerful. You know, when the teachers of the law asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. It's interesting to me that he didn't say, and the second is like it, love your neighbor the way you love God. He just said to love God with your heart, soul, and mind. Why would you not love your neighbor the way you love God? Well, he knew who do you love more than God? Me. Mm Me. And so he wants us to love our neighbor the way we love ourselves, because really the person we love most is ourselves. And so it's a reminder that there's the constant call to crucify, to crucify, to crucify over and over and over again. And when the Holy Spirit is doing that internally, then all of a sudden, it manifests itself externally. And so I'll find that those it's our kids are a great example. I don't feel this need to control my kids behavior Mm -hmm. and be a short tempered and irritable when I can sit back and say, I'm the mom and I'm going to set rules in place. But I can do that knowing that the Lord is also working in your heart and I don't need to control your behavior because I care what other people think. I need to help discipline you because I care about your heart. I had a really good friend of mine asked me one time, she was like, are you disciplining your kids more because you care about their heart or because you care what people think? Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I mean like, that's hard for me because I realize that sometimes I'm much more short tempered and irritable and whatever, when we're out in public. And people are looking and I feel the splotchities on my, yeah. my neck and chest and I get all in, you know, yeah. it's because I care what people think. Well, when the You're Holy Spirit is that. working inside of me, <laughs> I, yeah, totally. I can <laughs> grit my teeth like people are looking at us. But listen, again, I'm not. I'm, I'm not the parent that excuses behavior. But when I'm okay internally, I can actually discipline in that moment and maybe mm-hmm. be really firm. But there's a different reason. It is yeah. not because of their appearance or expectation or opinion of me. It's because I care about his heart. Right. And so it just, those two are so closely connected. So again, when I'm looking for frustration or fruit, if I find that in my relationships as well, I'm like, hmm, yeah. there's something going on spiritually with me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that a little more. I think that that sure. clarifies it. One other thing, you know, kind of as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you a little more about we, you know, we started off talking about self help and just how those those messages are seeping into, you know, our phones, our eyes, our hands through social yeah. media a lot of times. I, I hate to make it all about social media. I'm not trying to like always come back to that. Yeah. But it's just how we as moms stuck at home a lot of times are consuming. It's just, it it just is the reality that we're not always out in the workplace. Some of us are, or, you know, I'm, I'm working from home. So, but those messages that are really kind of tempting me are not coming from my clients or the workplace as much as they are from the the people I'm following and, and trusting kind of with my mind. You talk about something called the transparency trap. And I would love for you to kind of like, give us, you know, if you want to give like the, the high level version, people need to read your book yes. for sure. But talking about that. And, and I just, I was real, it was refreshing to read because there is this, uh, the, you talked about it earlier, a glorification of broken. We yeah. are, we are glorificate glorifying messy Christianity. You know, I've, I've seen so many influencers, authors, you know, I won't name names, but I, so many of them out there, this Christianity is messy. This is just a messy deal. And you know, what, what looks right for you might not look right for me. And so it's just going to be messy when we all get in there together and just kind of live and be whatever we want to be. And it's just so not holy. It's just so like not at all what the message of the gospel is about actually, it's it's like, actually, no, I mean, yes, life is messy and you are messy and broken, but we are glorifying that. Like that's, why are we, why are we putting that on a pedestal and saying worship and bow down at the altar of brokenness? Like, Mm -hmm. and if you just bring your brokenness here and just all of that stuff, it just is so, it does not sanctify us. Like what we've been talking about. So can you kind of, I don't even know, maybe I'm misunderstanding the transcript and all that.
1: no, I think you nailed it. And you're describing exactly, I think, the trap of transparency. Mm-hmm. It's, I think, and, and again, it was kind of a pendulum. You know, I think for years, the church was perceived as being plastic and hypocritical yes. and fake. And I think we probably were. If we were sure. honest, we probably were. Yeah, we let The pendulum swing really far. And we're like, you know what? We're just like everybody else. We're just like you. Yeah, right. The problem is the call of the gospel isn't for me to be like everybody else. Was right. I? Yes. But the call of the gospel is that I'm to look like Jesus. Right. And I think because we have not been people who chased and pursued holiness, we've become really afraid of letting people look at our life for evidence of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so if I elevate my brokenness and if I embrace that, we've said it's because we want other people to feel better and more comfortable. No, no. The reality is we've done it because I want to
0: feel more comfortable. Yes. Yeah. Cause I,
1: I don't want to be okay where I am. And I don't right. want you to judge me for that.
0: And so it's feeling back layers. I don't want to have that reputation of being the judgy Christian. So yeah. no, like guys, just look at how broken I am. I'm broken too. And, and, yep. and there's an element there of like, you know, mm-hmm. yes being real that, yeah, actually I am sinful. I'm not claiming to be perfect. Yeah. I'm not claiming to be better than you, but I have a better, I have a better hope you know that that's, that's right. what i'm claiming i have a better that's hope right. than just remaining broken
1: what and that's the part of the transparency trap uh, somebody asked me if i had one hope for the book what would it look like and this is it mm-hmm. i would love for us to be a generation of women who believed the best about one another cuz here's the thing i think we think that if i if i show up to bible study and say you guys I actually read my Bible this week and I got a lot out of it. And here's what I learned. And it's changing me. I think we think that women are going to be like, oh my gosh, she's so full of herself. I can't believe she said that. I actually don't think women would do that. I think that's a lie that the devil has fed us. And so one, it's believing the best about my friends that I can trust my girlfriends. If I showed up and was like, you guys, because of what Jesus is doing inside of me, Chad and I have been in a really great place. We're not perfect. But I'm seeing how the gospel is working and Jesus is changing me. Mm -hmm. What my prayer is for this book is that we would become a generation of women who would say, like, I don't know if you, I'm going to get back to that in a minute. Have you ever read parts of the Apostle Paul and you're like, sometimes he sounds kind of full of himself, like, because he'll be like, look at my life. Look, you, you question my authority. Look Mm -hmm. at my life. Well, if you read the whole context, what Paul is always saying is, look at Jesus. You want to know if this thing is legit? look at my life. Look at what the gospel is doing. He is always pointing it back to Jesus. I would love for us to be a generation of women who will say, I am not perfect. If you start to put me on a pedestal, come have lunch with me. I'll give you 37 areas where Jesus still is working on me, but (laughs) I am better than I was. because the gospel works. And I think that's what we're missing. We wonder why the church is not experiencing growth and revival. It's because none of us are standing in our churches and our Bible studies in groups and going, you guys, the gospel works. Like that Mm -hmm. call to holiness, it's hard, but it's actually changing me for the better. I am not perfect, but I am better than I was. And so I'd love for us to exchange the message of brokenness for a message of becoming better. Not perfect. Goodness, I'm not perfect. I can give you a long list. I write it down regularly of confessions that I have to make. But as a woman who's been walking with Jesus now a long time, I would love to be able to say to a woman who's a little bit Further behind me, I'm better than I was.
0: Right, I'm and I think the key there is, like you said earlier, not a better version of Whitney, not a yes. better version of Haley, but better in the in light of who Jesus is. Like I look more, more like, like Him. Like him. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That is what makes us, I think, feel braggy or self inflated. Is when we're like, "I'm just so much better than I was last year." You know, like, we know people are going to be like. Oh my gosh, you know, no, you're not, you know, and, and, but that's not what we have to, we don't, that shouldn't be what we're saying. We we shouldn't be saying I'm a better version of myself, but no. it's that misunderstanding there of, of yeah. what are we actually becoming? Absolutely. I'm a better, there's more of Jesus, yeah. more of Jesus
1: in me than there was this time last month or this time last year. Mm-hmm. And I would love for women to start telling one another that, yeah. Yeah. just that, like I, the gospel, you guys, the gospel works. Don't give up on it. Don't stay stuck. Don't believe the lie of self-help, because it's a self-defeating prophecy. But the gospel, on the other hand, the actual gospel, mm-hmm. it works. And man, it's it.
0: I won't lie, it's hard, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Wow. So good. I could probably talk to you all day about this, but I thank you so much for sharing and um, just encouraging the listeners. I think this is a needed word right now and you 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 do it with such grace and integrity. So thank you. Thank you. Man, I've loved
1: being with you. Thanks for like I love getting to talk about the hard stuff. I love when you know it's messy. Mm-hmm. Like I think there is some truth in that. Mm-hmm. But the gospel is so much hope in that, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. thanks for talking about the hard stuff.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm here for. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so, your book, Sick of Me, people can find that anywhere that books are sold, I'm assuming. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if they want to hang out, they can find me on any
1: of the socials. And I'm just grateful. It's fun to get to do this gig. I, you want to follow somebody who's imperfect, I can give you lots of material, but mm-hmm. Jesus is making me better.
0: Mm, so good. Whitney, thank you so much. And look forward to connecting with you more online too. Sounds great. Thank you guys so much for listening in. I'm going to be doing a giveaway of one of Whitney's books, the book Sick of Me, over on Instagram this week. So if you want to win Sick of Me by Whitney Caps, head over to HaleyWilliams.Kindled on Instagram and find the picture of Whitney Capps' face this episode for instructions on how to enter. I'm excited to be back with you next week. I'm going to be chatting with my friend Samantha Royer of She Is Bold Co. And this is a conversation between two Enneagram 3s that you're not going to want to miss. Have a great week, you guys.